I'm your host, Matt, and with me, as always, is Lorna. Hello, you didn't say your co-host. People not, might not know who okay. I am. Okay, oh, my co-host, Lorna. Hello! <laughs> just, He's giddy today. I'm not giddy, just for the record. I, I just got about a minute into a, a recording uh, with Lorna messing around beside me, and I was taking it deadly seriously. And Lorna was like, oh, is this an actual recording? And I said, yeah. And she went, oh. And then I deleted it. And then she deleted it. So that's why we're here. It's late. It's late night um, podcasting. Oh, that's so cute. Why? Just, it is nice. Okay. We're sort of makeshift today to make sure that we get it out on time for all of you lovely listeners. Yes, Um, we've been very busy, Matt. Would you like to tell everyone what you've been up to? No. I'll tell everyone that okay. Matt's been at the film festival, writing reviews and nope. interviewing Darren Brown. That's not related to the film festival. But that's also what you were doing. London Film Festival. Yes. Yeah, we've both been down in London, so we haven't had a lot of time, um, really. It's Monday night. It's been a struggle. To uh, to do this. and. But don't worry, we're still here, and I've got a report. Yeah. Might not be the best sound quality today. Yeah, that's sorry. It's shift. And sorry about uh, any background noise. That's what I mean. Um, so if you've never listened to a podcast before, 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 one of us or both of us does a report on a topic, um, or a moment or event or person from history and they tend to be, um, linked reports, um, linked by a similar theme. So last week we had, um, early pioneering women in cinema. Mm -hmm. Today though, there's just got one report because... Uh, I've got I'll... a few facts. All right, okay, well, not facts, on. interesting things. Okay. To do with the main topic. So, would you like me to just go with the report, or tell you my main topic? Uh, main topic, please. Main topic would like be archaeology. Okay. You ready for your first question? Okay. <laughs> Who is my topic about? Mary Anning. Great reading. Yes, Thank you. Mary. So, um. Thank you. Yes, Matthew, well done. (laughs) Ensued. So, Mary was born in 1799 in Lyme Regis, which is in the southwest of England, uh, the county of Dorset. Have you ever been down there? Have you ever been to Dorset? No, I haven't. Have you? I don't think I have either, actually. I don't. I think I'd enjoy it. Um, So, it's part of the Jurassic Coast, Lyme Regis, um, and discoveries that mary went on to find are still found today so explain what that means mary we'll get on to it's quite important but the things she discovered similar things can still be found today think archaeology okay uh dragons and stuff uh yes uh yes So, just a bit of context for you listeners. Mary's upbringing was at a time when the British army was at war with Napoleon's French army and George III was king of England. I've wrote kind, but (laughs) I do mean king. Stop reading over my shoulder. (laughs) Um, And in addition, it was around this time that Jane Austen wrote Sense and Sensibility. Jane Austen, you heard her? Yeah. All good things. Well... Not all good things. Why? What's bad about? War. Oh, right. I thought you meant Jane Austen. Oh, I was no. like, what bad things have you heard about? Emma. She was horrible. <laughs> um, no, I'm sure she was really nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mary's upbringing was not all plain sailing, and her family were very, very poor. 
she's been predicted to be one of nine or ten children. However, only her and her older brother Joseph survived. That into adulthood. Yeah. Which is sad. Her family were known as religious dissenters, as they were Protestants who separated from the Church of England. What year are we in, sorry? 1799 she was born. Oh, right. So this is her upbringing. I don't really have specific years. Early 1800s. Yes. Her father was called Richard, and he was a cabinet maker and amateur fossil collector. Oh. Keyword there. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, oh, sizzle. This led to Mary becoming involved in the activity. Cabinet making? Uh, The other one. Oh. By the time Mary was five or six years old, she was a father's fossil collecting sidekick, which I think is so cute. What a nerd. <laughs> Oi! Um, he taught her how to look for fossils on the beach, and once she'd found them, he taught her how to clean them. Richard would then often display them in his shop and sell them from there. So, he had a cabinet making shop. You're not allowed to do that anymore, are you? Steal fossils from beaches. Uh, but if you find it, it, is there? Yeah, you can't like take them back. So it's like, like you get told not to take coral home, but I've yeah, definitely got I mean. some in my room from Mexico. Oh. So oh, oh, that's not an admission of guilt. We, we promise. Mm, I purchased it online. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the finding fossils together, Richard sell them in his shop. The the Lyme Regis area where she lived is rich in ammonites. Extinct marine mollusk animals. Oh, yeah, ammonites. Is that his name? I don't know. Salmonites. It's A M M O N I T E S. Alright, do we have to say that word ever again? Um, Potentially not. Oh, And it was also rich in blemonites, an extinct form of a cephalopod. Cephalopods, right, I got very confused with this, but I weren't going to include it, but I thought. I'll put it in anyway, a bit of science. Cephalopods are now split into two categories. One is squid and octopus. Yeah. Matt's favourite. I, I hate them. And the other includes forms of mollusks known as nautilus and allonautilus. Okay. So, different types of mollusks. At the time, these were known as Ammon's horn or devil's fingers. Depending on whether they were what? Ammonites or blemonites. So, ammonites were... Ammon's horn and Devil's okay. fingers were Blemonites. During the Napoleonic Wars, the time when Mary was alive, civilians were encouraged to holiday at home rather than abroad. Obviously, it weren't really a thing yet, was it? And as a result, Lyme Regis became a busy tourist town. Yeah. In addition, fossil hunting was becoming a popular activity for a lot of people. It was the perfect hobby for fashionable Georgians, as they could find things to add into the display cabinets. And to what? <laughs> and to what, Lana? Just found a uh, half-finished sentence there. Kind <laughs> of a good professional report. So <laughs> yeah, just scroll past it. We'll ignore that. Stop reading it. <laughs> uh, the fossil hunting, which Mary did with her father, was an unusual activity for Georgian girls at the time. So she was unique. I did say she was a nerd. <laughs> like many women in Lyme Regis at the time, Mary had very little education. But she was gifted and was able to read. So with this skill, she taught herself geology and anatomy. They're useful. They are quite good things well, to teach yourself. anatomy is, yeah. And geology is good for this. Yes, geology definitely. Geology rocks, as they say. Oh. Thank you. In 1810, Mary's father suddenly died from previous injuries he had and also tuberculosis. How do you say that? Tuberculosis. TB. I don't know why I struggle with that. I've definitely said that before. So Mary's 11 and her father's died. 
Joseph, Mary's brother, got a job as an apprentice upholsterer in order to support the family. And Mary was also required to support the family and her mother urged her to sell her findings to the fossils. She was already selling them though, wasn't she, through the shop? Her, the yeah, her dad was, but I don't oh, think yeah. they sold all of them. Oh. Her mother required money to pay off her family's debts. In 1811, a year after her dad died, Mary was around 12 years old and at the time Joseph found a fossilised skull. He... Um, this skull's reported to have been strange looking. And um, once Joseph had found it, Mary then searched and spent a long time digging the outline of its 5.2 metre long skeleton. Um, apparently, it was like a long and painful process for Mary. Oh, not for the skull. No, it's dead. 5.2 metres long, that's. Uh, that's really long. Really long, considering I'm probably about 1.88 metres. So it's like two, a of, bit less. two and a bit of you. Yeah. Two and a half of you. Yeah. And it's probably like many of me. I'm not that. I'm that small, actually. I'm. I'm all right. I'm a decent size. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary's activity digging up the skull had brought a lot of attention from members of the town. She'd been working on it for months, and everybody knew that what she'd discovered must have been a monster. A monster. A I did monster. say dragons. Early. I know similar. Scientists thought the monster was a crocodile, which was consistent with the thoughts of the time. Um, many people had assumed that unearthed and unrecognisable creatures had only migrated from faraway lands when they were found in the fossils. You've written two faraway lands. <sighs> Stop reading it. I know, I'm just asking because that changes the story, surely. Well, they must have migrated to or from, I don't know. Okay. But why would they be there now if they migrated I, to? I think it's very strange that they thought it was a, a crocodile. We don't get crocodiles. Well, they might have thought we used to. Exactly, so that's why they thought that they migrated to faraway lands. Yeah, that's probably it. Mm. Trapped you there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you're right. George Cuvier... That's how I'm going to pronounce that, I'm not sure. He's known as the father of paleontology. And at the time, he'd only recently introduced the theory of extinction. And the origin of species from Charles Darwin was still another 40 years off being published. So, Mary's findings are supporting these new arguments. Following Mary's discovery, there was a long period of investigation of the fossil. It was the topic of a lot of debate from scientists. And it was eventually named... I'm going to struggle with this. Ichthyosaurus, and this translated to fish lizard. It's now known that this wasn't a fish or reptile, but it was a marine reptile which lived between 201 and 194 million years ago. Long time. It's crazy how we know that sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know it, but people know it. People can work it out. Yeah, you just cut off the leg and read that. the rings and no, no, that's a tree. That's a tree. Yeah. But this is tough though because you have to have you have to have essentially figured out what has killed other animals and stuff. What? If you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, yeah, on the most basic level. Yeah. I wonder how they work it out. I don't I honestly don't know, it baffles me. In eighteen twenty three Mary was the first to discover the complete skeleton of a plesiosaurus meaning near to reptile. I'm probably pronouncing all these wrong. I think that's right. Um, I'm trying my best. S uh, so, 
1823 she found this skeleton and it was there was a lot of rumors that it was fake because it was such a strange specimen mm. and um, the news spread really quickly because it was so strange and then there was rumours. George Cuvier himself also disputed the find. A special meeting was scheduled at the Geological Society of London, but Mary was not invited. But after lengthy debate, Cuvier admitted to his mistake and admitted it was real. Which is a bit of a shame. She's done all this hard work. She doesn't even get invited to meetings to justify it. <sighs> Shame, Sexism. I know. In 1828, Mary uncovered a strange jumble of bones, and this time it had a long tail and wings. The dragon. Once again, news of a discovery travelled fast, and scientists from London to Paris theorised on the unknown species of the most rare and curious of all reptiles. From London to Paris isn't that far, is it, really? In just, that time it was, though. Just a boat. You can in see that it. Time. On a clear, you can't see it. On a clear day, you can see. You can see France, not Paris. Yeah, I can see Paris. Um, so what Mary found were the first remains attributed to a Dimophodon. It was the first. How do you say that, Matt? I'm looking at. Um. Oh, now you want me to look. Pterosaur. Uh, <laughs> it was the first pterosaur ever discovered outside Germany. It's probably a pterosaur. Okay, it's the first pterosaur um, d- that was discovered outside Germany, and the term pterodactyl yeah, well, yeah, was well, coined later. Yes. Yeah, silent P. Yeah, so it's part of the pterodactyl family. Mm. Unlike well, ichthyosaurus and plesiosaurs, plesiosaurs had. Oh no. no. Pterosaurs. Pterosaurs (laughs) had wings and were believed to be the largest ever flying animal. I will repeat that sentence properly. Unlike Keith... Oh no. (laughs) You went into a different language then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting again. Unlike Ichthyosaurus and Plesiosaurs... Pterosaurs <laughs> had wings and were believed to be the largest ever flying animals. You Thank actually you. said ichthyosaurus, but I think it's like ich- ich- ichthyos. Ichthyosaurus. It's not oh, saurus, is it? I keep saying saurus. I just want it to be such a saurus. <laughs> but anyway, um, before a... it said plesiosaurus, though, no, why you... have I got myself all no, mixed up no, here? Plesios- Oh, it's because that's a plural. So, uh, the skeleton of a plesiosaurus. But if it's a group, plesiosaurs. Right, okay. So, um, moving so anyway, on. pterodactyls <laughs> have wings and they're big. Um, yeah, so she found one. She's such a legend. Another of Mary's contributions to science, though arguably less glamorous, is that she pioneered the study of coprolites, which uh, is fossilised poo. Okay. It's an interesting one. Well, yeah, I suppose um, it is. Ne- I don't know. I would have thought that would have, um, you know, gone back How's into the that land. How's not decomposed? Exactly. I was actually wondering and, and that. It must be like a rock, though. You can't de-set, uh, de-set, die. <laughs> well, you're high. You know, <laughs> to no. be honest, my <laughs> eye is twitching a lot. I'm not okay. Um, you can't dissect poo. Like, once um, I used to be part of Oak Club. 
with Innis, actually. Innis used to be part of Oak Club. He really liked mushrooms at the time. Um, not magic ones. He just really liked <laughs> finding mushrooms. <laughs> That's how my mum remembers him. Um, and so we was Still in Oak alive. Club. No, no, like, if I mention Innis, she's like, oh, has he got his book of mushrooms? Um, anyway, so we yeah, were in cool. Oak Club. Yeah. And you used to do things outside. And we used to find owl pellets, like owl poo. And we used to dissect it and look at what they were eating. Usually it was mice. We'd find a lot of mice bones. But this is what I mean. You can't do that with dinosaur what? poo because surely it's now a rock. What club lets kids go, do, go and do that? Why would you not do that? That's so oh, wow. good. We used to build bird houses. We used to make bird food things with like pure fat and seeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we did all sorts. Oh, good do you know what animal droppings such as that were called? Are, are called? Owl pellets. No, just animal droppings in general. Poo. Uh, scat. Is this a joke? No, it's a Oh, right, your face looked like it was a joke. No, it's just funny because in um, Danish, that's like a, a, like, I don't know if it's love or like, it's a cute what, nickname for each other. So Dan, who's listening, I've heard him say scat to his girlfriend and I'm always laughing away. <laughs> <laughs> You're evil. Uh, poo, you're just saying poo. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible that her nickname's Poo. <laughs> Uh, Mary continued she still sold her um, many of her finds which increasingly fueled public interest in geology and paleontology people flocked to fossil displays around the country and major museums struggled to keep up with the demand her discoveries inspired famous geologist and childhood friend Henry de la Betch who painted Joria Antiquio a more ancient Dorset in 1830. So he sold this painting, um, he sold prints to try and raise money for Mary who was struggling to make ends meet. Which is a shame because she's done a lot. She shouldn't be struggling. Um, <clears throat> so the painting um, has the dinosaurs that Mary discovered, so the three. And it's the first pictorial representation of prehistoric life based on fossil evidence. Are they all dinosaurs, yeah? I think so, yeah. Okay. But it's pretty cool, though, isn't it, that he's able to paint something yeah, yeah. from them fossils. Uh, the art form, so like painting prehistoric life, is now known as paleo art. It helps people understand a little bit of life uh, millions of years ago. And it's still popular today. Um, so now it might form research or dinosaur t-shirts. Yeah. Mary's Plesiosaurus also inspired geologist Thomas Hawkins' Book of the Great Sea Dragons, which was published in 1840. So they're pretty big things. She's a bit of an inspiration. Yeah. Despite her growing reputa reputation for finding and identifying fossils, the scientific community was hesitant to recognise her work. Male scientists frequently bought the fossils that Mary would uncover, clean, prepare and identify and then they did not credit her discoveries in their scientific papers. Um, even when writing about the groundbreaking ichthyosaur find. Which is mm. such a shame. It's, it was tough for us, I suppose, before... It's still tough now, but... Um, before, like, copyright or... Anything like yeah, that, I any think... sort of standardised um Yeah, and I also thing. think that now nowadays there's a 
I still think things can get stolen. Like I see this oh, girl yeah. on Instagram all the time who thinks she's got her own business, but people steal her design ideas. You she, got a she, watermark. Yeah, but she tags them in her Instagram stories and calls them out on it. Wow. Um, so this is like the 18, yeah, 19th so she, century version of that. Mary should have tagged them in her Instagram stories and said this was my Tagged find. them in the paleo art. Yeah, right. my find. Who's <laughs> this stealing my art? What was saying? Find. Yeah, so it's just a shame. Even the Geological Society of London refused to admit her, and in fact they didn't admit women until 1904, which is what one account said, but I also heard another account which, which suggests they did acknowledge her after her death, um, which I'll get onto in a minute. Oh. Mary died from breast cancer in 1847. She was only 47 years old and still in financial strain despite a lifetime of extraordinary scientific discoveries. Her death was recorded by the Geological Society. So that, that disputes that... So I think women were admitted into the society until 1904, but they did recognise yeah. her when she died, which is a shame because I'm sure she would have appreciated the recognition more while she was still breathing. Her life was commemorated by a stained glass window in St. Michael's Parish Church in Lyme. Today, the National History Museum in London showcases several of Mary's spectacular finds, including her ichthyosaur, plesiosaur and pterosaur. Right. So, her fossils continue to captivate visitors from around the world, just like they did two centuries ago when she found them. And Mary's legacy lives on along the rugged Jurassic coast. This is now a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, So scientists, amateurs and adventurers um, can gather around for the next big find. So I think it's still a thing. I think they're still digging all the time. Yeah, there's always still more to find. Yeah, sounds nice though. It's like a community activity. That's what I get the feeling. Yeah, I take back my nerd quotes. (laughs) Um, after her death in 1847, her unusual life story attracted increasing interest. An uncredited author in All the Year Round, edited by Charles Dickens, wrote of her in 1865 that the carpenter's daughter has won a name for herself and has deserved to win it. I'll just get my head around that sentence. So a person wrote in this book, which was edited by Charles Dickens, but we yeah. don't know who the person who wrote it was. No, but he wrote about, about Mary. Mary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He or she, sorry. Yes, he or she. It's often been... Com- uh, com- what? <laughs> it's often been claimed that her story was inspiration for the 1908 tongue twister. She sells seashells on the seashore oh. by Terry Sullivan. I don't know. But that's only claimed. I haven't... It's not yeah. fact. But she did sell seashells on the yeah. seashore. She did. Um, I didn't know that you could trace that sort of thing back to a specific person. The tongue twister. Well, you can because I heard on a podcast today, actually, that you can trace sayings back to, like, Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. In 2010, yeah. 163 years after her death, the Royal Society included... Uh, Mary in the list of the 10 British women who've influenced the history of science the most. Mary is the unsung hero of fossil discovery. Her life consisted of a multitude of firsts and she dedicated herself to being a pioneering paleontologist and fossil collector. She played a key role in informing the work of her male contemporaries. Um, There's a list of names 
William Buckland, Henry de la Betch and William Conybeare. By the time of her death, geology was firmly established as its own scientific discipline. Which is good. So, that was Mary. What did you think? Good. <laughs> said that really strange. You did say that um, really good. Very good. I never heard of her before, but obviously she was another pioneering nice. woman. Seems like mm. our podcast should be called Idiots Talk Pioneering Women in History. Idiots Talk Women. Idiots talk women. We have we've actually been focusing a lot, I think, on people who are doing a lot of firsts or having a big impact in their field. Yeah, but I, I think it I tends it's not to purpose. make a bit of a an interesting story usually. Well, yeah, that's yeah, because they're the first blazing a new trail, aren't they? Yeah, but Mary wasn't the first, I don't think, but she was one of the most... Well, she found she found a few firsts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I just did a little research, because obviously we usually do two reports, so yeah. I just done this bit on the end. I've taken off my glasses, so I can't even read oh, it. Oh, brilliant. Um, it's inter- oh, interesting archaeological discoveries. Do you know questions. any? Um... Uh, we've been to one. We went to the Terracotta Army. Mm. Um, which came to uh, Liverpool's... Is it the World Museum in Liverpool? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's been on show all year, or for a while. Um, which was found in China, the first emperor. Yes, first emperor of China. Yeah. Qin Shi Huang. Qin Shi Huang. I wrote it down. It's one of my points. Well done. Thanks. So, um, it was buried... Um, because he was going to kill all his army and instead was convinced not to and instead made an army of terracotta. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, surrounded by mercury or something, his, like, tomb or something. Yeah, so he wanted the soldiers to protect him in the afterlife. Obviously, the terracotta army was only discovered in the last century, but we can't get anywhere near the, um, where he's buried his tomb because it is surrounded by mercury and it's too harmful. And it's got, like... Doesn't have like bow and arrows to go off as well. Oh, I if don't anyone know. steps near it, I don't know if all, some of this is just tales, but uh, that's what I've heard about. I it. think the mercury is definitely true. It's crazy, that. Yeah, he just wanted to live on. I'm trying to think of any other. I, I, I must be missing some. The, that's the only big one for me. That oh, really? Oh, what about the? Oh no, it's not archaeology. Is it? I was going to say the Rosetta Stone. I've never heard of it. Mm, at the um, in London, the British Museum, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, go on, give me some good me just ones. Whip through some. Yeah. The first one is baby disposal. That doesn't sound very nice. Well, it's not. Hmm. Archaeologists, when searching the sewers beneath a Roman or Byzantine bathhouse in Israel, found lots and lots of baby bones. Hmm. It's not clear what they were doing. Right, no, I've never read of that. Not nice, is it? No. Then, my second one on my list, this is in no particular order, but this was Terracotta Army. Oh, right, okay. The third one is Ancient Chemical Warfare. In 1933, archaeologist Robert du Mesnil du Busson was searching beneath the ruins of an ancient Roman-Persian battlefield when he came across some siege tunnels that had been dug under the city. 
In the tunnels, he found 19 Roman soldiers that had seemingly died while trying to desperately escape from something and one Persian soldier clutching his chest. So the theory is that when the Romans heard the Persians digging under the walls, they began digging a tunnel of their own with the idea of dropping him from from above on the Persians. Right. Um, The trouble for them was that the Persians heard them and set a trap. So as soon as the Roman soldiers dropped through, they were met with burning sulphur and bitumen, which has the unfortunate effect of turning to acid in your lungs. Oh, so wow. it was the first evidence of chemical warfare. So and was there a Persian in who died as well? Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe he had a heart attack, been, or did he? Oh, I think it's clutching his lungs. Oh right, yeah. Nasty. Wow, yeah. What, what was that? Sorry. Um, we don't it know, it's just ancient Roman Persian ah, battlefield. Right, okay. I like, no I don't like that the archaeologist has a double do. I know. Robert do. Robert de Mesnil de Busson. too many does. Well to be honest I thought the name was finished at yeah, Mesnil. So and then we got to the next do. But oh well. No but good one, double do. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> double do. <laughs> um, the next one is Dickwis Spheres. So these uh, are known as the stone spheres of Costa Rica mm. and scientists believe these nearly perfect spheres were carved around the turn of the millennium. There's a lot of speculation what they were used for but nobody knows for sure. Right. Spheres, that's interesting. Some spheres in Costa Rica. Yeah, we didn't have the spheres for a while, did we? We had a wheel. Then we got the spheres later on. I don't know what you're on about. I'm on about like using like a sphere as like a tool. Oh, I thought you were on about like the Millennium Dome. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I don't know. I um, I'm trying to think of other archaeology uh, things. Wasn't there a isn't there a really famous one of a uh, man and a woman like holding each other as they were like covered in the lava or something? I don't know, but I will talk about a man in a minute. Okay. I've only got two left. Okay. Do you want me to just whip through Yeah, yeah, go on. So, the next one is Antikythera Mechanism. Antikythera Mechanism. So, this was discovered in a shipwreck off the Greek island of Antikythera around the turn of the 20th century. So, over 100 years ago. The device is 2,000 years old and it's often been thought to be the world's first scientific calculator. So with dozens of gears, it can precisely measure the position of the sun, moon and planets simply by inputting a date. Although there's debate over its exact use, it shows that even 2,000 years ago, civilization was already advanced. Yeah, but if you turned it upside down, would you be able to write boobies? <laughs> you're, so, <laughs> you're so pleased with yourself with that one, it's not even funny. What else did we used to write on there? I used to write something else. Oh, beep that out. What? Just beep that out. Nah. Cut it out. <laughs> nope. Um, you can't say boobies. Yeah, you can. You can't. It's PG. Boobies is PG. Mm. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to cut that out, so I wasn't ashamed. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. All right, okay. Uh, the oh. last one is the Grobel Man. So... It's not a strange occurrence for mummied bodies, mummified bodies to be found in bogs, but this one 
is a bit unique. So he's amazingly well preserved with his hair and fingernails still intact. And it's also um, possible to reconstruct how he died based on information found on and around his body. So judging from a large wound wrapping around from his neck from ear to ear, it seems he was sacrificed probably in an attempt to turn a better harvest. So I think this is quite a common activity, but he's preserved so well that we can tell. Don't you miss the days when you'd sacrifice people for a better harvest? No. Yeah, good answer. Would have been worried. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it, what we used to do? Yeah, but then we used to do good stuff like find a scientific calculator that doesn't say boobies. You need to cut that out, I can't <laughs> children who listen to this podcast for information Lana, for education um, no good uh, good yes, that, they're good my reports archaeological discoveries yeah. good report actually in general, thank you congrats, thanks next week, couldn't control, control my words a lot, yeah, I couldn't I even do struggling. it then you're struggling a bit Real struggle you had some today. tough words to say, to, uh, to say as well I'm a I've had pterodactyl. as well saying when we have lots of names, it becomes more difficult. But uh, I think you did all right, actually. This weren't a lot of names this time. I tend no, to no. stick with just my Mary. And animals. And, yeah, dinosaurs. You got them in the end. Um, yeah, it's hard to avoid names, though. Yeah, it's history, isn't it? Yeah. We tend to focus on people. Yeah. Apart from that week when we focused on, a, on an orca. <laughs> and a wolf. And he was called Old Tom, anyway. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago, so as a as a Wolfman. nice segue, you can see uh, our whole back catalogue on whatever app you're listening to us on, I'm hoping, uh, and that includes the old man, uh, what's it called, old Tom the Orca, and the Wolfman of Sierra Marina, which is a podcast episode from a couple of weeks ago, um, and when you're having a little browse of all those uh, episodes, you can give us a nice review, maybe. Oh, please. Maybe uh, give us a couple of stars, a handful of stars, or uh, a nice little written review always goes a long way. Really does. Uh, and uh, tell some friends, or your family members, or your loved ones, or random people on the internet. Or everyone. Just comment on random videos on the internet with... Uh, Idiots Talk History. Print off our logo and carry a banner around. Print off our logo and make a t-shirt. Oh, that's quite nice. Um, or do none of those things and just listen just next week. Just enjoy. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yes. And we will speak to you next week. Bye. I've been Matt. Oh. Bye.